The Deal Lawyer Podcast with John Andrews, powered by JMW Solicitors. Hello and welcome to the first Deal Lawyer Podcast. My name's John Andrews. Uh, I'm a partner in the corporate team of JMW based in their London office. Over the last 30 years, I've helped countless business owners exit their business, both by way of share sale uh, and by way of asset sale. I've also dealt with countless acquisitions and we're hoping that over a series of weeks, we can give you some hints and tips as to how to prepare your business to sell and, and how to engage with the right professionals. And I'm Dominic Walker. I'm a colleague of John's at JMW Solicitors, and I'm the person who has the uh, the privilege of asking the questions. Welcome uh, to the Deal Lawyer podcast. We're going to talk about entrepreneurs uh, selling the business today, John. So my first question, really, probably the obvious place to start is, uh, when should an entrepreneur plan to exit the business? Well, I think, Dominic, um, you know, from day one, when people start their businesses, they've always got one mind as to, as to where it's going to go and we'll have an exit plan. So you know, it's never too early to start. But ideally, once you've found a firm, opinion, a firm opinion that you want to exit your business, then probably a two to three year process to get it really in good order and to, and to realise the best value for what you've built. And is it wise to get professionals like yourself at an early stage? And if so, when? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, obviously, throughout a, a business's life, um, you'll form professional relationships with your lawyers, w- with your accountants, and, and maybe to a lesser degree with your financial advisors who will deal with your personal affairs. Um, uh, I think the key thing to bear in mind is this, is that w- when you finally decide to put your business up for sale, it will be scrutinised in, in a lot of detail by people like myself and by accountants to make sure that everything's in good order. And we're talking about things like employment contracts, contracts with suppliers and with clients, um, uh, arrangements regarding pensions. So, so all of those things need to be in good order for you to maximise the, the value on sale. So over a two to three year period, if you don't have employment contracts, for example, get those in place and make, and make sure they're up to date and, and current. Have a look at your arrangements with your best customers, your best clients, with your suppliers. Commit them to writing if you can and commit them for a longer, as long a period as possible. Um, and all these things just add value when, when you're looking to exit. You've mentioned that word value quite a lot. Uh, I appreciate real life isn't always like Dragon's Den, but I am an avid viewer of Dragon's yeah. Den. I know that one of the things that the dragons jump on straight away is if somebody overvalues the business and occasionally actually you see people undervaluing the business as well is it important to get that right john yeah yeah well clearly because well hopefully you're only going to sell your business once you, you want to get the maximum value for it first question people always ask me is, is you know am i getting the right price um your lawyer is probably not the right person to ask that that's really going to be your your accountant or or your business broker who you might have engaged to sell your business um but but the important thing is is to do your research. So, so have a look at other businesses in your sector. That, that there are databases available which, which contain information, which will give you an idea of what similar businesses sell for. And, and, in, and in different sectors, there are different multiples of value. So um, there's no hard and fast rule about valuation, but that there are certain parameters which your professionals can help you to establish. And I hear you when you're on the phone, John, talking about curb appeal. What, what's that and how do you improve it? Curb appeal, as you know, it's like when you sell your house, 
first thing you do is when you drive up to it, does the front garden look nice? What's the front door like? Are there curtains? Are there blinds? Does it attract you? Um, and the same thing applies exactly to businesses. If you, if you can draw good buyers in immediately and hook them into to, to the concept of your business and make them want to buy your business, you're going to get the best price for it. Now, in order to do that, there, there are certain key things that, that, that you need to have right. Um, firstly, your accounts need to be in good order. Um, with lots of owner-manager businesses, what tends to happen is that they're run as lifestyle businesses. So m- maybe things are put through a-, a charge to the business that shouldn't be charged. Um, there might be, I'm sure this doesn't happen, there might be some cash coming in and out. But 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 the reality is, in, in the two or three-year period leading up to sale, your books need to be squeaky clean. They need to reflect your true profit. It means paying some tax. But at the end of the day, it will pay dividends because when you come out the other end and a buyer looks at your accounts and looks at the price that you're asking for, he can see where the value of that business is. So that's the first piece of curb appeal. Um, second piece will, will be your contracts. They're going to want to know who you're doing business with, um, how long they're committed for, is the contract in writing, and ideally, if you've got your key clients on, on as long a term contracts as possible that are committed to writing, then again, you can show that if somebody acquires your business, that, that they've got real value and it's got longevity. It's not just based on your personal relationship with those customers. Um, third piece of curb appeal, I would say, would be your would be your staff, your employees. Um, employees are key to your business because you as the owner manager want to, want to exit. You, you, you don't want to be carrying on for, for years after you've sold. Um, so you need to have a good management team in place. You need to be able to demonstrate, I think, to the, to the buyer that you have a, a competent MD, for example, or a competent finance officer who, once you leave, can carry on running the business for the acquirer. Um, and you also need to make sure these people are, have got good contracts. So you need decent employment contracts. They need to have decent notice periods um, so that if an employee wants to leave, you know, maybe it's a six-month period for, for a senior manager, even up to 12 months. Um, and also importantly, there are restraint and trade clauses in their, in their employment contracts. So that if they do leave, um, the, the buyer knows that that, that employee is not just going to go off and, and steal all the clients and steal the concepts of the business. I'd say they're, they're the key sort of um, curb appeal areas. You mentioned some of those key curb appeal areas, uh, John. It's almost like you see a business that's like that and it's like, wow, it's the perfect business. If some of those key areas aren't there, is that going to start ringing alarm bells for a potential buyer? Yeah, well, I think they will. What, what, what they'll do is, is, is that when you sell your business, you will have to give a lot of information to, to the buyer. So they will they will send you what's known as an information request, which will be questions about everything to do with the business. Um, generally speaking, nowadays, a data room is set up where you upload your answers to those, to those questions and you, and you put documentation into it. Um, and that's the start of the due diligence process. Um, the, the buyer will then scrutinise the information that you've uploaded um, and, and they will spot pretty quickly um, where, where there are holes in, in the information that you've provided. So if the accounts don't stack up, so you, know, you might have said to the buyer, this is, you know, we're really profitable, this is what our profit is, but that's not reflected in the accounts. Um, you're going to have to explain that to them and why it's not, and why it's not reflected. Um, if, if you haven't got contracts with you know with your key customers, uh, the buyers going to know well what, what's to stop them just just going somewhere else once I buy the business. Um, 
what you can do is try is try to fill those holes. So the, the accounts you can't recreate, which is why I say it's important to have those in place uh, for a two or three year period. Employment contracts, if they're not up to scratch, you, you, you can introduce the contracts that you want. It involves a process of negotiation with the employees, but it's worth doing. With customers, if you can, you need to go off to those customers and say, look, you won't want to tell them you're selling just in case the deal doesn't want to go through. But you might want to adopt a process saying, look, we'd really like to commit this arrangement now to, to paperwork. So you can try and fill those gaps. But, but if you don't or you can't fill those gaps, then either the buyer's going to walk away or he's going to chip you on price, so ask for a price reduction, or he's going to change the way in which he, he pays you. So rather than pay you all the money up front, which everybody ideally wants, but it's quite rare nowadays, what he's going to do is, he's, he's, I'll say you, is he'll say, I'll, I'll pay you a piece up front, um, and then I'll pay you the balance over a period of time. And the amount he pays up front will reflect the risk that he perceives in, in, in the business that he's acquiring. So for all these reasons, it's, you know, it, it's the sensible thing is, plan early to exit, get the documentation in place. You mentioned that word price reduction. I'm going to go the whole way, John, and say, mention the R word, the renegotiation word. You want to avoid that, don't you, when when you're selling a business? Yeah, absolutely. Once you've agreed a price, and and, and usually the process is that there's there's a discussion between the parties, then you have heads of terms, which set out what, what, what the price is going to be how the deal is going to be structured and, and what the time frame is. Once you've agreed those heads, you know, nobody wants those to be reopened. The idea of that having the heads agreed and signed is that you've all got certainty. You know, you know what the deal is. It's not, it's not a perfect world. So, you know, something might come up in due diligence or, or, or a claim may be made against the business after you've started the sale process, which, which is significant and may impact the value of the business. So renegotiations happen and, how how they are addressed and how you deal with those very much depends on your on your bargaining position. So, if the renegotiation is just the buyer trying it on, and and you have all your paperwork in good order, your accounts are looking great, you're in a stronger position to say no. And the reason you're in a stronger position to say no is is that if if there's a if it's good business and there's a market for it, there'll be another buyer who will pay you what your business is worth. And again, I come back to this point: you're only going to sell it once. Um, so if you have faith in your business and, and, and your figures stack up and you have a buyer who's being really cheeky with you, then you, you really have to have, have the, the bravery to walk away from that deal if it's not the right one for you. Just as if you're a buyer and you look at the business and it's not right for you, again, you've got to be prepared to walk away. If there, if there is a renegotiation process, then it isn't necessary, as I say, it may not be just a price chip. You may say, well, okay, look, I still have faith in my business. Let's keep the figures as they are, but let's restructure it. Let's peg it to future performance over the next one, two, three years. So there are ways to deal with those negotiations, but you know how you need to know how to steer your way around them. And one of the many advantages of getting the deal lawyer on board at an early stage is that you take care of everything, really, John. You've, you've touched on due diligence. Can you just give us an idea of, of what the due diligence process is almost from start to finish? Yeah, absolutely. So so once once you've agreed your heads, um, it's, it's usual for, for the buyer's lawyer to draft the agreement. And in order to do that, he, he needs to know about the business and know about what, what the risks and concerns are. So, and the due diligence process is designed to allow the, the seller to, to say to the buyer, this, this is what my business is. So, as I say, 
Questions get asked in the form of an information request. Um, a data room is set up. Documentation is uploaded to that data room together with answers to the questions. And the information request will cover a whole range of areas. So typically it will ask you who owns the shares, who are the directors, um, how many employees have you got, who are they, what do they do and what do you pay them, who are your key customers, what, what do you do for them, have you got written contracts, if so, can we see them, who are your suppliers, have you got any borrowings, um, are there any claims, what are the pension issues. So, so everything you can think about in the business. See, as, as the seller, you open your book to, to, to the buyer. Um, what then happens is that the buyer and his lawyer and his accountants go through those figures and through the information that you've provided. They may ask additional questions, and that allows them to, first of all, satisfy, satisfy themselves that the business stacks up. Secondly, they can identify any particular areas of concern, and in addressing those areas of concern, they may seek a renegotiation of price, or they may ask for additional protection in the, in the share purchase or asset purchase agreement. Um, in the form of warranties or, or, or indemnities, or they may be happy with what they see, maybe it's given some reassurance and, and the deal proceeds. But the, the due diligence process is, is, is really important. And as a seller, you have to be open and frank in that process, because if you're not, and the deal goes through, um, invariably, anything you've tried to conceal will, will come back to bite you, and you then find yourself on the end of an expensive and lengthy litigation process. My big takeaway from this, John, is planning and plan well in advance. Any entrepreneurs who are thinking of, of selling and, and are watching this, can they contact you and, and have a chat with you about it? Yeah, absolutely. They, they can contact me to the JMW website or my mobile number is 07768 266 036. Thank you very much, John. Hey, you're very welcome, Dominic. The Deal Lawyer Podcast with John Andrews. Powered by JMW Solicitors.